What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the Chargers for over six years doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, welcome into the show. Happy Monday. Ugh, I know, it's tough. We're on to a new week, but that does mean a fresh episode of the show. And before we get started, if you guys don't already, make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. First, let me start the show by saying thank you to David for being here on vacation. I had to record some episodes in Hawaii now David is on a vacation back to San Diego, our hometown, and he's still good enough to be here with us. So, David, thank you for not making me do the show by myself. As as you know, I have done a couple of podcasts solo in my day. I can tell you it is not fun, so I totally understand. And, hey, the show must go on, my friend. So here I am, and I'm always down to talk Chargers football, so let's get to it. The best part of it is we are in the same time zone right now. Usually when we record, David is two hours ahead of us because he lives in Texas. I obviously live in San Diego. So for now, we are on the same time zone. But speaking of which, now our other guy, John Kegley, actually just graduated from basic training. So definitely want to shout out to him. Super proud of him. He's still going through some Army stuff right now, but he has graduated basic training. And we should be able to have him call into the show in some capacity and give us his thoughts on everything. So very excited about that. But on today's show, why you are here is for the great stuff we have to talk about, including the Chargers making four signings after the spring league ended up concluding. The Chargers ended up bringing in four guys, smaller names. So we'll talk about their chances of making the team. Any of them, you know, the Chargers putting in their due diligence as far as small school players and more. And then the second segment, we'll talk about something we didn't think we'd be getting into, and that is Brandon Staley sitting down with Albert Breer. And some of the things he talked about with the man from Sports Illustrated, it was really good because there's no repeats, right? So he talked about Justin Herbert not getting the offense at first, right? He talked about how defensive coaches have helped young quarterbacks in the past. And then after that, we'll be getting into our last segment talking about our favorite offseason moments. So I know everybody has had their favorite moments, so many good moments to talk about whether it's the draft or free agency or the hiring of Brandon Staley. So many different things there. But let's go ahead and get into it, David. The Chargers did make four signings, and I know that most Charger fans aren't going to get up for signings of players they've never really heard about, but this is who they ended up getting. They signed defensive lineman Willie Yarbury, linebacker Damon Lloyd, Matt Siebert, the tight end, and Michael Bandy, the wide receiver. So, Two of these guys are from really small schools. From my hometown, Michael Bandy is from USD, where he absolutely tore it up there at the Division II level. And the other one is Damon Lloyd, who played for Indiana University, Pennsylvania, which is not the same as just the regular, you know, Indiana University, Division II again. And then a couple of... When it's got three names, you know it's a small school. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, the, the farther down you get in the divisions, the more names the schools have, but... A couple guys in Matt Sieber and Willie Yarbury both came from, you know, big power five schools in Wake Forest and Michigan State. So, David, this news comes after the spring league concluded and the Chargers 
adding some more bodies to the roster, but these are guys that, you know, didn't get drafted at all coming out of college, now get another chance to show up at a Chargers camp and show up in an NFL camp and potentially, you know, get their name on the radar. But do you think if they really have a shot to make the roster? Yeah, I mean, looking at this uh, logically and realistically, I mean, none of these guys really did very much in their college careers. I mean, at their respective levels, I mean, Michael Bandy, he played fairly well and he put up some decent numbers. He was one of the bigger fishes in that small pond at that level. But just looking at these guys, honestly, I think it would be very difficult to see any of these guys really find themselves in lightning bolts come September. I mean, is there a possibility that maybe they could earn a practice squad spot? Yeah, sure. But I mean, I think something catastrophic would have to happen. I know that's probably pretty mean to say, but I have to be honest. Yeah, I mean, really, when you look at it, anybody like this, I mean, even the undrafted free agents, right? That's an uphill battle. But at least a lot of those guys were on the radars of NFL coaches this season, right? You don't know how far away they were from being drafted potentially coming in as undrafted free agents. This would obviously be the next tier down. Guys that didn't just come out of the draft this season, played in other leagues like some of the Arena Football League. We had some playing you know, professional rugby in Michael Bandy. And you also had people in the Spring League and the XFL, things like that. The Chargers picked up Donald Parham and Storm Norton out of the XFL last season. They ended up sticking around. So it's not impossible for these guys to make the roster. But this is obviously... More practice squad probably at first at least, you know, especially with COVID everything. These guys will have some preseason games. We'll see how many snaps they get in those games. But I think when you look at it, David, you see a couple of positions, right? I mean, I don't think we think any of these guys will end up making the opening 53-man roster. Maybe they earn a practice squad spot. But when you look at it, you're like, okay, the Chargers are so deep at wide receiver and they have so many different tight ends. Like, it's hard to imagine Matt Siebert beating out Donald Parham or Steven Anderson, right? We know Trey McKitty, they just used a third-round pick on. Obviously, Jared Cook is untouchable at this point as far as a roster spot. But those you'd have to think would be the positions when you just look at this that would make the most sense for someone to want to keep around on the practice squad or, you know, potentially push for a roster spot and the very, very unlikely opportunity that that could happen. Yeah, I mean, at tight end, it's just hard to believe that – that there's any spot or any room for for Mr. Sieber, unfortunately. But uh, you, you look at the defensive line, and I think that you're not really happy with the depth that you have at that position. So, I mean, you might want to cycle some bodies through, and, and who knows, maybe Willie Yarberry – you know, something clicks in training camp and, and, you know, he takes the, takes his opportunity and runs with it. Right. That, that could, that could happen. That could happen. Will it happen? More than likely not. But I think at the, the two positions that you look at and you say, okay, there's a, an, an opportunity here. Maybe I'd say linebacker and defensive line. So uh, out of these guys, they probably have the best shot, but it's still a pretty small one. Yeah, and, you know, there's guys that do some exciting things, right? Seabird is a pretty athletic tight end. We talked about, you know, performing well at whatever level you're at, right? And Michael Bandy dominated at the Division II level. You look at even Damon Lloyd. He dominated at the Division II level as well. So it's like you are looking for those big fish in a small pond, as you put it. And 
we know talented players can come out of those schools. Obviously, Austin Eckler comes from a small school. You have guys like Quinn Miners getting drafted this year early on in the draft coming from Division Three school. Then there's Trey Pipkins and so many other guys. And I think especially with Brandon Staley, David, who comes from a Division Three background at John Carroll, where they're you know, one of the Division Three powerhouses, he knows better than anyone that, yeah, I mean, there are some guys at those level – at those lower levels that could still compete potentially, even though they maybe didn't get scouted out of high school. Yeah, I mean, I think you really believe with Brandon Staley that if anyone is going to live to that mantra of leave no stone unturned, I think it's going to be him because he understands playing at Dayton and also playing at Mercyhurst, Brandon Staley has played at multiple different levels in college football. So you know that he is going to be one of those guys that understands that there's talent at every level of football in college, but you just have to find that. You have to try to identify it. So he is going to be a guy who's going to give anyone an opportunity and see what they can do with it. Absolutely. And I mean, if you would have told Brandon Staley that he would be in a Division three school coaching and now be in the NFL, I mean, he probably would have told you what happened, right? He said he felt like he knew he was going to end up there all along, but nobody else would have thought that, right? So obviously, these guys are all long shots. But long shots make the best stories, right? So Obviously, injuries happen, bad things happen sometimes in training camp. That's how other guys find opportunities. I wouldn't wish that upon any Chargers player, obviously. But, you know, these guys could have a realistic opportunity to get their name on the map. Maybe catch on with any NFL team, not just the Chargers, right? And that's what Darius Winton always talks about. They wants these guys to have a job at the end of training camp, at the end of these preseason games, even if it's not with the Chargers. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have... Brandon Staley talking with Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer about Justin Herbert and a lot of really good stuff we hadn't heard from him yet coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. Right now, guys, there's so much good stuff to bet on that if you're not betting on sports right now, this is a great time to get off the sidelines and get in on the game because you have the NBA playoffs heating up. We just had a couple of game sevens in the playoffs. That was crazy. The Stanley Cup playoffs are going on right now as well. And hockey just has one of the best playoffs you're going to find. So many close games. Upsets. Guys coming back from crazy deficits in their own in the playoffs. I mean, so much good stuff there. And there's UFC and baseball you guys could be betting on as well. But all you have to do is head to the website and they will actually help you guys Make some money by giving you some free money to play with with a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with a promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on, all caps, one word for a 50% welcome bonus from Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, David. Well, one of the things that has been most exciting so far this offseason is just listening to the press conferences of the Chargers coaches. Even the players seem to have loosened up a little bit, certain players specifically like a Justin Herbert, for example, but Brandon Staley, you know, overall, I mean, it's been a joy to listen to those press conferences just because it just seems like a dude that you like the way that he sees football, right? And anybody can kind of look at the game like an Anthony Lynn, right? Where it's like, we're going to smash you in the mouth. We're going to be stronger than you. We're going to outwill you. And we're going to bite things. your kneecap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not quite Dan Campbell, but obviously <laughs> Dan Campbell <laughs> saw something he liked in him. He's and working him with him now. To be that offensive coordinator over there. But one thing that kind of came out of nowhere was a conversation that Albert Breer had with Brandon Staley at the end of minicamp, talking mostly about Justin Herbert and how they're going to try to take him to the next level, right? And to kind of see their thought process on it was really cool. I mean, one of the things is just 
throwing so many plays at him, right? And we've talked about that before on the show to help his development, just giving him more experience kind of even in practice by just putting him through so much. But when he was talking with Albert Breer, some of the things I thought were interesting. And the first thing I think I thought was the most interesting was him talking about him wanting Herbert to kind of be like the players who have given him fits, right? And if you look at last year, how Brandon Staley's season ended was Aaron Rodgers absolutely torching the number one defense in the NFL, right? They had a good first round in the playoffs. Then you go up against Aaron Rodgers as the Rams, and they just get absolutely torched. And that offense for the Rams was pretty bad last year, especially at that point, right, with a banged-up Jared Goff, who even at 100% isn't the greatest. But I definitely see that concept, David, and what he was saying is, you know, when you play Aaron Rodgers, he's aware of all 22 guys on the field. He's aware of your sideline. He's staring at your sideline. He knows your substitution. He just They know everything, right? And they can kind of be a coach on the field and know where they're going to exploit the defense because they know what's coming. At that point, they're doing their jobs at a high level, Staley said, and they can help everybody else do their job too. And a quick reminder, a protection check, getting us in and out of the right place. That's what they're trying to do from just, for Justin Herbert. And I think... That's a pretty tall task. One of the one of the things that he said along with that is those guys know how to help themselves. It takes one of the variables out of it. You don't need to get help from your coach. You don't need to wait for that. You already know how to help yourself. They've been in the game so long. They've had so many experiences, but they're, you know, high, you know, capacity guys like Brandon Stelly likes to say, they can process so much information so they know how to get themselves in the right plays, in the right situations. That's what they want to do for Justin Herbert. They want to turn Justin Herbert into a another coach on the football field yeah and I mean I think that is a lot to ask you know a young quarterback going into a second season but basically what he's saying is is when you can do that you're only going to be better right and the guys around you are going to be better which in turn makes you better again right just gets everybody performing at a higher level when he's the one that's able to do those things and he's not able to do that right at this moment you know what I mean like he has Corey Lindsay to help him so when Corey Lindsay might not be there, he's there to make those checks and do all of those things and learning these things from Brandon Staley by going through so much at practice, right? Doing the two-spot practices, getting so many reps in there. But the other thing that I thought was very interesting was just talking about how Staley himself can help Justin Herbert. And he brought up a lot of very interesting examples because he brought up Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, a defensive coach and a quarterback, then, you know, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, and even before that, it was Bill Cowher, right, with Ben Roethlisberger, another defensive coach, Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning. So he is saying, David, there is a precedent, and this was his quote about it. You prepare the player for the path, not the path for the player. And what I kind of took that to mean is just he is going to just put it as hard as he can on Justin Herbert, right? He's going to make it as hard as possible for Justin Herbert to make him better in that way and he thinks that's how some of the greats like a Bill Belichick right like a John Harbaugh have gotten so much out of young quarterbacks and I mean when you think about it like Tom Brady got to go up against Bill Belichick on defense right he got to yeah. look her learn how to look through Bill Belichick's defensive mastermind mind to help him become better in the NFL yeah I mean Tom Brady brings a lot of that right I mean he just won the Super Bowl while Bill Belichick missed the playoffs but Having that unique perspective, I think, is something that's absolutely going to help Justin Herbert, and that's exactly what we wanted to. 
Absolutely, and also I loved how they were fostering the relationship between those two. I mean, they were talking about just some of the small things. I mean, the texts back and forth. I mean, the conversations, the pictures of his kid with Justin Herbert jerseys on. I mean, just saying, hey, I want to be the guy that Justin Herbert can come to for the small things, for the big things, for all the things in between. They're fostering that relationship not only with him but also with – Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach, Shane Day. They're all having this high level of communication between each other to try to take this relationship that they know is very young and very new and really foster that, cultivate that, and grow that so they can really turn him into this coach on the field in the future. I mean, you got to love that. And, I mean, Brandon Staley's brilliant as well. I mean, his defense was the number one defense in the NFL last year. And so not only are they trying to throw so much offensive input or output into him to have him learn this new offense and learn all the intricacies of that, that he has to go up against Brandon Staley and, and how many crazy defensive formations and disguises and mixes that he's going to throw at him. So when he sees all those things, then he goes out there on Sundays and he sees a defensive formation and he knows how to attack it because he's already seen Brandon Staley do those things in practice. Exactly, and that's kind of what Brandon Staley talked about, was just if we keep throwing all of this stuff at him, when he does get thrown under fire, right, he's going to be prepared to take it because he's already gone through those situations. He'll be able to be calm in those situations. And he said that's what's so important, especially on two-minute drives to end the halves in the fourth quarter to win games. That's when you can't be rattled by something coming in that you haven't experienced, right? So even though they're making him do 70 plays per practice right now of a brand-new offense and he's made mistakes – it's making him better, and Staley specifically talked about that with Breer when he said he's got a lot of pride. He doesn't like it when he doesn't know everything. He wants to know everything and have that full command, that full rhythm that premium quarterbacks have, right? And this whole thing is about expediting the process, right? Giving him so many more looks so we can be more experienced to try to get him to the level of those guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And it's not going to happen like that. It doesn't happen with a snap of the fingers, but that's what this process is about. And he said... He really studied. He was on top of the scripts because he wasn't good right away. And he said, I'm not going to lie to you. He did not have the offense in the full grasp right away. And but that then, pissed him off. Yeah, exactly. And what that let him do, though, is now when they came back for minicamp, there was this explosion in terms of command in the operation, Brandon Staley said, because he had to work on it. There's still more work to do because they're going into training camp when it's live full speed, live bullets, a lot going on. Then we're going to learn even more but that's just really nice to see David is like yeah he didn't get it right away and like if he would have told me that he all got all of it right away that would have kind of seemed ingenuine anyways right because yeah you're bringing in an admittedly complex offense with a second year quarterback but the fact that they're able to just throw so much at him let him kind of digest it and come back better come back with more command of the offense on all of those things I think is really refreshing well, I think it just takes me back to the, you know, hey, we don't want to run an offense. We want to run the right offense for Justin. And they're building this system specifically around him. And, yeah, it can be difficult, and it's going to be hard, and there's going to be some growing pains, but Justin Herbert can do this. They know that. He's an incredibly intelligent person, 
as well as obviously very gifted. We know that. We've seen that. We see his physical gifts. He has the brain. He has the body. And he can do this. So that's why they're putting so much pressure and putting so much on his shoulders because they know that this situation is pressure is going to make a very, very beautiful diamond in Justin Herbert. Yeah, and I love that just because it's like especially seeing how many games last year were lost due to miscommunications. Due to the Chargers looked like they were experiencing so many things for the first time when they got out there. And everybody's confused and doesn't know what to do, right? And I think... Yeah, you're like a high school team can do this better than the Chargers just did. Well, and it just... It was so frustrating to be like, it doesn't look like they know what they're doing out there. And like even little comments like Keenan Allen saying that he thinks the first ball he caught from Justin Herbert was in the game. Like for that to have happened, even if you're a backup quarterback, not to have those reps, I think... Those are all things that Brandon Staley is kind of improving on in that sense. And Brandon Staley said it, you know, Drew Brees isn't Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert doesn't have anywhere near the experience of Drew Brees. So the offense is going to be different because they have different timing. They see different things defensively. So it does have to be tailored around him. And it seems like at this point, you know, we haven't seen it play out yet, but they are trying to tailor it around their guy. And it seems like the better that relationship gets between all of those guys, the better it's going to look when they get out there because these guys will know what they're thinking. Justin Herbert can be a coach on the field because he's had the other coaches telling him exactly what he's supposed to do in every situation if they can keep this going. So I think that's only going to benefit him. And just as another reason to be hopeful that Justin Herbert can actually take a step in year two and improve on an impressive rookie season. But we do have one more segment to get into because there was a lot of good things that seemingly happened for the Chargers this offseason in a crucial year where they were going into the second season of Justin Herbert and a chance to potentially contend for a playoff spot in 2021. So we're going to get into our favorite moments of this offseason coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you haven't tried Built Bars yet at this point, you're just wrong. I mean, if you guys need something to get you through your day, need something to fill you up, and need something that's healthy for you, most importantly, you can do it with Built Bar. And the great thing about that is, they all taste delicious, right? What I love about Built Bar is I get so much variety. I get to spice things up. I'm not eating the same flavor every day because there's nine delicious flavors to choose from. And there's always usually a limited time flavor that is going to be delicious on the website as well. So make sure you always check out BuiltBar.com to see what the new you know flavor of the month or limited time flavor is. But most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. So to find something that tastes great, 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew, that fits into your diet like that, not easy to do. And Built Bars taste delicious, which is most important because I wouldn't eat it if it didn't. But we can even save you guys some money right now. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I also need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. The only place that I ever get any cut, any type of auto parts, and I just used them again. Got brakes delivered to me, and over the weekend, I was able to have my stepdad, who's a mechanic, put them in for me. But I got such a great price with Rock Auto because you get the same price whether you're a mechanic or a do-it-yourself or a daily driver. Everybody gets a great price, and they just had the inventory that you're not going to be able to find at any chain storefront, right? I couldn't just go to any store and pick up the very specific brakes that I needed for my fiance's car. I went on the website not knowing a lot about cars, typed in the type of car she had, went to the brake parts, was able to find it, get it delivered right to my door without even having to leave the house. And it just doesn't get much more convenient than that. 
They have everything that you need. You're going to get a great price. And all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, David. Well, this has been a very, you know, memorable offseason to say the least. I mean, when we started this show about four years ago now, right, we didn't. Yeah. The Chargers, you know, were just hiring Anthony Lynn. There was different reasons to, you know, talk about the team. The Chargers had just moved all those things. So much has happened since the last time the Chargers got a coaching change. So then when that happens to start an offseason, I think it brings a level of hope, right, especially after the team had struggled the last couple of years. It gives you some hope that, okay, maybe things can be better with this new coach. And we had, you know, our own frustrations with Anthony Lynn game management-wise, just some of the things that he did. But I want to get into our favorite off-season moments of a really big off-season with the Chargers doing a lot of things. And I think, David, one of my favorite off-season moments, and you probably have something along the lines of this too, but seeing Brandon Staley get up in that first press conference. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about Brandon Staley's press conferences, but to have him go up there for like over an hour, right, and deliver that first press conference and hear the way he talked for the first time, I mean, I think it was one of the biggest and one of my favorite moments of the offseason. I absolutely love that, and I completely agree with that for sure. I mean, he, that is on my list because it's just so refreshing and so different from the last two head coaches that the Chargers had. I mean, Anthony Lynn, for everything he was, he was not a very entertaining person at the press conference. He also was not very forthcoming. He was not very transparent. He was very stuck in his ways and into his beliefs and, you know, very old school in that respect, which, you know, that's fine. I'm not saying that that's wrong or bad, but Brandon Staley is completely 100% different than that. We, we, we recognize very quickly he's a high-level communicator, very intelligent. I mean, uh, just a person you love to listen to. You can sit there and you understand very quickly it's appointment listening with Brandon Staley in his press conferences. You just, you just get instantly excited. And then every press conference thereafter just reinforced and continue to reinforce the person that Brandon Staley is. So I think that's been really, really exciting. But for me... The number one thing on my list is firing Anthony Lynn because none of the other things on my list happen without that taking place first. So, yeah, I know that might be a little bit gloomy coming from the optimistic David here, but (laughs) that's what it is. It's Brandon. It is Brandon Staley getting hired, but that doesn't happen and nothing else happens until they let go of Anthony Lynn. We didn't even think it was going to happen. It did happen, and then all the other great things of the offseason started to happen. Yeah, and I think what plays a big part of that is just wondering if it was going to happen because this team (laughs) went on a four-game winning streak to end the season. Dan Quinn did the exact same thing in 2019. Falcons ended up giving him another chance, and he had you know gone to a Super Bowl and all that and blew the Super Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. Either way, won the last four games of the season to finish 7-9, and nine, just like the Chargers did. He got another chance the next year, even if he maybe shouldn't have. Started off the season 0-5, and then the Falcons ended up firing him, right? So, Anthony Lynn had a year left on his contract. The Chargers are, you know, reportedly cheap in certain ways, right? In this case, they didn't care about that. They got rid of Anthony Lynn because even those last four games weren't super convincing, right? I mean, no. they had a lot of shaky moments against the Falcons, who really blew that game, too. Shaky moments against the Raiders and the Broncos. The Chiefs game was pretty dominant, but 
there were still some things where you're like, things haven't really changed that much, right? They're just getting a couple of bounces here and there. Either way, I mean, yeah, you know, David's on vacation. He's thinking about Anthony Lynn getting fired. Not one of the ones I would have thought you picked, but <laughs> I definitely understand it. But let's get to one I mean. It's kind of a weird moment because I think it's probably right before the moment, you know, that most people would probably associate with this. But Rashawn Slater falls to number 13 and the yeah. Chargers get a chance to take unequivocally the second best tackle in the class, right? The one that was generally regarded that way. But David, for the Chargers to take an offensive lineman in the first round, which they had only done once in 30 plus years going into that, to have that true belief that you could potentially have a franchise left tackle after what this Chargers team has had at that position, a revolving door since Marcus McNeil, whose career even ended too early due to some scary injuries. I mean, for that moment to happen, for him to fall when no one thought it was realistic that they would, except for Tom Telesco, and for the Chargers to actually legitimately have a good feeling that they could finally solve that position and maybe have a franchise player at that position in Rashawn Slater. And the patience to just sit there and wait for him to fall into your lap. I think that has to be talked about as well as part of this is because I remember distinctly being one of those guys saying, oh, wait, Rashawn's still there. Hold on. He's still there. Go get him. Go get him now. Do whatever it takes. Trade. I don't care. And to their credit, they didn't. They were patient. They had good intel, apparently, that that are a good feeling that made them, you know, very confident that, that Rashawn Slater was going to be available there at 13 and they took him. And yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite moments of the off season. But I, I said it was getting Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. Back to back. I mean, just the, the beginning of that draft was Absolutely. just so magical. It was so euphoric. I mean, yeah, you were like over the moon about getting Rashawn Slater, but you also get Asante Samuel Jr. right after that. So you, you nail your top two needs emphatically, getting one of the best left tackle prospects in the draft, bar none, and one of the best corners that fit your system and your scheme. I just You look at that, and you can't help but to be really excited and definitely call that one of the best moments of the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, him falling to the second round, one of the best moments. I mean, to get both of those guys in tandem, like if one of those guys had fallen to you, you would have been happy, right? Because it's like you make mock drafts to have those guys and everyone's like, that's not realistic at all. And to be fair, I didn't think it was realistic either, right? Because we had both of those guys in slots before, you know, we ever actually thought it was realistic that it could happen. So that was such a huge moment for the Chargers in those first two rounds. To at least feel like they have a couple of guys they have, a, you know, that have a really good shot to be impact players for you at positions of need. But speaking, I gotta of throw this one in need, here. Go I, ahead. I gotta throw this one in here really quickly, and it is signing Corey Lindsley. And the reason why is because it 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 shows or it dictates a fundamental shift in philosophy. The Chargers went out and signed one of the no the best player consensus best player at his position in the NFL, something they very rarely do, if ever. They did it, and they brought him in. We knew it was a move that they should make. We just didn't think they would do it. They did it, and I have to absolutely commend that and highlight that as one of the better moments of the offseason. Absolutely. I mean, and I think really, I mean, if you even encapsulize the moment of the Chargers committing to you know, improving the entire offensive line. You don't bring back Tevi or Lamp or Trey Turner 
or Dan Feeney, right? You said none of that's good enough. We're going to go out and improve this entire offensive line theoretically, right? And Philip Rivers be is better. banging his head against the <laughs> wall saying, why now? Why now? Totally. And I knew that would be on your list. I mean, it's on my list, too. Getting Corey oh, yes, Lindsley specifically, I mean, is just... That was huge, especially because of the relationship between a center and the quarterback and what he can help a young quarterback with. But I knew that was kind of be said, and I had to throw in that the underrated thing, underrated moment, re-signing Michael Davis, right? I think that was such a big part of the offseason because we didn't know if Hunter Henry was coming back. We didn't feel like Rayshon Jenkins was coming back. Michael Davis was maybe the most important free agent for them to bring back, knowing that Casey Hayward probably wasn't going to return the Chargers got it done. They re-signed him for a pretty, you know, good deal, honestly. I think it was a really pretty bargain good deal. Yeah, especially what we've seen some corners make, you know, in double-digit million dollars per season annual average value. But re-signing Michael Davis, I think, is one of the real underrated moments of this offseason because he does seem like a guy that you've put so much work into, right? You've seen him improve so much. You want to be able to reap the benefits of all the coaching that's gone into it and now have another coach that could potentially even take him to even higher levels. And I think that was just an absolutely crucial part because you're giving a defensive mastermind, a guy that has all of the physical tools to stay with anybody in the AFC West. And that's including Tyreek Hill, right? When he's on, he's covering Tyreek Hill, even had some moments against Travis Kelsey. I mean, he has that ability to get someone that can, you know, maybe even fine tune that more and keep his head turning around, maybe even make him tackle better. (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to love that. But one of my favorite moments for sure, because that would have been a scary thought, losing both of your starters from last year. You kept the better unequivocally of the two, right? The easily better guy, guy with more potential, guy with more length still left in his career, and you brought him back without having to break the bank. Absolutely a huge move in a big offseason for the Chargers, which really have them, I think, on the brink of contention for a playoff spot in 2021. But that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back with you guys soon. We're still figuring out the days from vacation. Probably Wednesday, though, I think we have nailed down for sure. So we will be back on Wednesday while David's still on vacation because, you know, he's really championing it out. And we should still hear from John Kegley at some point this week, being able to call in after graduating basic training, get his thoughts on things. But until then, make sure to go follow the show wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, the new Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and make sure you guys rate and review as well as follow the show there so you always can keep up with every show, especially while we're in the off-season of three shows a week to make sure you don't miss anything. You can also find the show on either of our social medias. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David on Twitter at DroTalkSD as well as our own shared, as well as our shared show Twitter account, LockedOnLAC. We always post all of the shows there and give our takes there. You can also find us on Facebook at our LockedOn for at our Locked On Chargers Facebook page, as well as on Instagram at Locked On Chargers too. We will definitely be getting into some voicemails soon, so if you guys want to get in on the voicemails, the number is 323-524-7924, and we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. If you guys stuck around, happy Father's Day to David and all of the other fathers out there as we're recording this. It's still Father's Day where we are, so happy Father's Day, guys. Definitely appreciate all you Bolt dads out there, but we'll be back with you guys on Wednesday. Until then... Take it easy and go bolts.